0: You're listening to the ILA podcast, the online home of lectures and conversations hosted by the Institute for International Law and the Humanities at the Melbourne Law School. Okay, so welcome everyone to the ILA and UNSW uh, Critique Network Skills Circle. I'd like to acknowledge that I'm speaking from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and I'd like to um, hand over to Ben to introduce our guest speaker for today.
1: And yeah, thank you. I should also start by acknowledging that I am Zooming to you from the unceded lands of the Gadigal people in the inner west of Sydney to pay my respects to their elders, to extend that respect to any Aboriginal people on this call, and to commit myself to solidarity with their ongoing struggles for self-determination and justice. Uh, It's my distinct pleasure to introduce um, Stuart Motha today to come and join our group to talk I'm going to try to be brief. I could be very long. Stuart is currently, I think, the executive dean uh, at Birkbeck, although that might arguably be the least interesting thing about him. Uh, He's probably much better known uh, to everybody on this call and indeed much further beyond that as a theorist of sovereignty, as a critical legal theorist um, uh, in many different and fascinating ways. But I think the reason why we were really keen to come and get him to come and talk to us today is his, excellent and exhilarating new podcast called Countersign that I have been, especially under COVID conditions, addicted to. So I've been listening to Stuart's voice now for several weeks, and I'm really uh, looking forward to hearing what he might have to say to us about his own ongoing practice and experimentation in academic podcasting, if he would think about it in those terms. Anyway, Stuart, over to you. Thanks for joining us.
2: So um, I, I well thank you first also to uh, Sandhya and Ben uh, for inviting me, it's really lovely to be part of this and, and part of your um, uh, work. And uh, I, was, uh, I was really uh, heartened when Ben wrote to me and said um, that he, he was working with you as a group and that you are looking at sort of non traditional ways of being academics and i thought oh wow <laughs> sounds like i might be doing something non traditional that's uh, that's very uh, uh that's a, that and I, I that came at a very good moment um so um uh, thank you for that ben um yeah why did i start um the podcast i suppose is a question maybe to start with and i think the first thing to say is just to be very, very honest about it, because I'm Dean, I spend a lot of time in committees and doing things by committee. And you'll find that as you are academics or, you know, your role changes and you become more, uh, um, uh, you know, in in full-time academic employment, that you spend a lot of time in various kinds of bureaucratic settings. And so the first the first reason, to be perfectly honest, is I I wanted to do something that I didn't have to do by committee, uh, uh, <laughs> and um, and I thought you know it's and, and and often it's it's the case, and and I think it's partly to do with how universities work as institutions as well that they become kind of a um, a site where lots of other kinds of issues politics tensions play out and so i i felt like creating a kind of space for myself where i i felt i could really just think about the books that books and works and practices that i wanted to think about without having to discuss it with a committee uh, and 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 basically just get on with it and um, which you know feels like uh, in some ways a, a harsh indictment on the university that uh, you kind of have to almost strike out of that space. Although I, I feel like what I'm doing with the podcast is trying to um, amplify and project the best parts of what should be in the university, which is uh, slow slow thinking and slow reading. Um, I really try to engage with the books uh, or other works slowly and take in a sense take my time about doing that Um, at the same time i also have to respond to the kind of serendipitous um event or meeting with someone finding out someone's in london um and nabbing them you know literally running out the door with a borrowed microphone which is basically how i did my first podcast i i didn't i didn't own uh, a, a proper microphone and recorder. Um, I actually had my partner borrow it from her university library um, because they have higher audio equipment that you can borrow from the library. Um, and it, it was really um, before I even had the website developed and so forth. I thought, oh, so and so is coming. Now, it was my first recording was actually with Nanda Thielstrup um, last year, and she was coming to Birkbeck to. Um, do Do something actually on brexit that I was organizing with my colleague marinos Diamondides and um, we were we were very much in the thick of the brexit fiasco well we are there 's no end to that fiasco, but anyway um, we were um, um, just at the point after the prorogation of parliament, and so we organized a seminar at Back, and then Nana was coming really to talk about the kind of digital dimension of the sorts of campaigns that happened around Brexit. But then I saw that she she also just published a book. And I thought, ah, well, here's an opportunity. I'm really interested in this area. Uh very much as a side thing. I'm not, you know, I'm not writing on digital technology. I'm not writing on uh on, on those issues directly. Um but we were we are we were about to start a master's on uh, new technologies and lawyer Berkbeck and so I was kind of um, looking at the periphery of that literature. And uh, yeah, I just made sure I read, read the book. And now having said, it, having said it's about slow reading, I also remember that I was finishing the book as she walked through the door. <laughs> uh, and so, they, you know, so that side of that kind of academic enterprise also doesn't change all, change all that much because you are working in the cracks and crevices uh, to, to find the time to do this kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, lots of, lots of mistakes were made. So, you know, my, in the, in the recording, I, I got the date of the book 10 years, uh, you know, 10 years wrong. So I said it was published in 2009, as I started off the conversation, I was published in 2018. Um, and so that meant, you know, adjusting to those things, editing out that kind of stuff later on and, and learning how to to do that so um, and then with as I said the serendipitous kind of um my my, the first um person I broadcast was Patricia Williams and I I met her in at an event in London in February and it was the first time I'd met her and it was one of those things where I walked into a room I could see her in the distance (laughs) and I thought ah it'd be fantastic to have her on a podcast wouldn't it and um um went over and uh, met her and and just asked her very kind of gently after we'd been talking for a while whether she would be interested in this and and she was really very generous and she she wasn't going to be free on that trip but she was coming back in an in a, in a couple of weeks to london again and uh, when when people actually were able to do that kind of international travel um and um Agreed to uh, meet again. It was very hastily organised, and I, I focused it on her wreath lectures from 1997 or 98. Um, and um, um, found yeah, I just found her amazing to talk to. She's someone who's really inspired me from the time I was a student, having read uh, Alchemy of Race and Rights, uh, and I still remembered kind of you know phrases and and stories and parables from that from that book so it was a very easy uh body of work to get into fairly quickly um and then i and and then not long after that um um naim muhammad who uh made um this wonderful film two meetings and a funeral and he was a shortlist he was an artist um, who was shortlisted for the turner prize if you've uh, listened to the podcast you'd, 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 you'd know about him um and again he was someone i'd been in touch with because i was completely blown away by this film and it, it, it was actually i i came upon it because i was on parental leave and my way of spending parental leave was to take marker um to to as many galleries as possible <laughs> and she seemed to have slept um, she seemed to have slept through many of these films that i was um also watching in, in galleries and i think i went to see naim's film about five times at the tate um, it was a it's about 35 minutes 30 35 minutes long and it just brought back an extraordinary extraordinarily familiar world to me because i grew up in sri lanka and it it kind of took me back to that place straight away and all of these memories i had of the 1976 uh non-aligned conference in colombo and it, it it just got me thinking about also all of these reasons why i might have been working on sovereignty <laughs> um and decolonization and post-colonial theory and so on so <clears throat> this film sparked lots of uh thoughts for me which i I didn't, I didn't feel like I necessarily had an avenue to explore and the podcast became, a, again, a place where I could um, have conversations that are outside the usual academic conventions. Um, so have, I, I have you, written, can, yeah. Mm. Can
0: I interrupt you there just to mm-hmm. ask you a question about that podcast? Um, mm-hmm. Because it's really beautifully crafted and I have, unlike Ben, I haven't listened to all of them. But um, I, uh, but that one is interesting because you have, it sounds like you had a pre-recorded uh, introduction to the backstory and then you cut in the interview afterwards and it sounded mm-hmm. like you'd done a lot of work in preparation for that interview. Um, is that, is, so from what you're saying, it sounds like that one might have been uh, one where you, did a, a separate introduction before the interview and then the interview itself sounded like at least the first few questions you had thought quite hard about where to start.
2: Mm. So so in relation to all the podcasts, the introductions are done a lot l- later than the recording. So so I usually do the I, I've done I've do the recording. They end up being about an hour and a quarter, one hour and 15 minutes and I tried to then edit it back to about an hour. So it's most of them are just over an hour. And in relation to Naeem's, I mean Naeem's was, I think Naeem was Naeem's was even longer. And, and it was interesting. I mean, he, he you know, the, the different characters and personalities of people you um interview. I I could barely get a word in with Naeem. He was just like, you know. Uh, um, and so I almost felt with that. I mean, I think it was, it's wonderful. Uh, it was wonderful to talk to him. Um, 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 uh, but I felt like the I, I felt like I, it wasn't as structured as I would have liked it to be. But but on the other hand, it had this kind of much more spontaneous feel to it, where he he ranged and he connected things that made sense to him. So I think he starts off by talking about how he made the. How he, how he came upon the idea of the Algiers Non-Aligned Conference. And he'd spoken to some lawyers in Bangladesh and he's from Bangladesh. So, so the, the story of the Non-Aligned Movement and, and Bangladesh be, are completely intertwined mm. uh, for him, just as the Non-Aligned Movement and Sri Lanka are completely intertwined for me. And I know others, yourself included, uh, Sandhya, you know, working on the Non-Aligned Movement, you'll have your own kind of stories and narratives that, Mm. connect with that. So um, yeah, the the introductions coming later, I mean, that's something I've I've struggled with because I I felt that the introductions should be shorter. And whenever I start to record them, they end up being at least five minutes. Uh, So, um, and I tend to do it as the very last thing because I do it after I've completely edited the recording. Mm. So that's the other you, thing to kind of bear in mind. With. Sorry.
0: So two things. One is, what, do you have an audience in mind when you record the introduction? Are you thinking of uh, your peers or your students or who are you thinking of?
2: Yeah, good question. Um, I I do try to speak to a random person just over the computer. <laughs> um, and I, I also don't... Um, um, I don't feel like I've quite struck the right tone with it. Um, my partner Louisa teases me that I, I have this kind of st- slightly truncated lecturing voice where I'm not speaking in, I'm not speaking normally, like I'm talking to you, but I'm, I've got um it's, it's slower and it's, um I'm pausing a lot more um, and punctuating. Um, my intonation is much more punctuated. And um so that's, yeah, so that's BBC Stewart. I'm, much more, I'm much more conscious about how I'm actually speaking rather than who <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. speaking to. <laughs> Have
0: you gotten less self-conscious as time's gone on?
2: Um, yeah, that's, I mean, self-consciousness, that's a really interesting question actually about all this, because self-consciousness, firstly, there's a self self-conscious when, self-consciousness when you're interviewing someone. So who do you feel most relaxed with? Mm-hmm. And I, I found it interesting. I see that you're recording this. So I shouldn't say too many things that are too, <laughs> um, you know, um, revealing. But um, um, I was really nervous about interviewing Lisa Baretza, Um And I was trying to figure out what, why, why was I so nervous? Um, and so for those of you not aware or haven't heard the podcast, lisa 's a, firstly, a colleague of mine at Birkbeck at, in psychosocial studies. Um, she is, I think, also someone I've really admired and been in awe of since I went to Birkbeck. Um, she was running this Freud reading group when I got there. And just, um, they're, they're a really amazing department, psychosocial studies, and really fascinating people there. And I think I was just nervous, basically, interviewing her um, and also, I think interviewing a psychoanalyst. So, yeah. she was <laughs> how does
0: that make you feel?
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, so I, I also had a lot of I had a lot of notes and questions, and I tried to, particularly with, um, particularly with the books, I I tried to send questions and themes to the interviewee in advance to say these are the things I'm kind of interested in, and I I found myself sending you know, five pages of <laughs> topics and themes to Lisa, who immediately wrote back saying, we couldn't possibly cover all these things, but I'm really glad you engaged in my book so thoroughly. Thank you. Uh, Stuart, go on, Ben.
1: Stuart, can I ask you, because I, I, um, I thought that one flowed quite nice, and that's the one about enduring time, which I recommended to a couple of people as well. Um, and I thought the conversation flowed really nicely in that one i mean i think they do generally in the other ones but my question was how much pre-work you do to kind of put to stage the interview how much you put them on notice i mean it sounded like you put her on a lot of notice <laughs> there was too much to talk about but i think they sit they they sound to my ear like very flowing organic conversations and obviously that, that can often be a sign that a lot of work has got into curating them, and if I kind of oppose because we're being recorded i won't i won't name the podcast, but there's a very well known um, British podcast where they talk about politics and mm-hmm. it's not it's not a two way it's not dialogic in any sense they can have really interesting people on, but it 's still really about the host and what the host <laughs> uh, <laughs> tends to think and i don't get that impression with you, Stuart, because it's more of a genuine interview like you're actually Drawing them out a bit and so I wondered how much had gone how much pre-work goes into that
2: well thank you I know the podcast you're referring to and I did and I did actually listen to it a lot I listened to it when I'm running and um it it was it was one of the ones that because I I, the other thing to say actually before I get onto the pre-work is I haven't when I started this I hadn't listened to a lot of podcasts I wasn't like an avid um, podcast listener and when i i worked with these designers um who are fantastic uh, their design studio is called C. also um uh, on on the countersign website you'll see um details um for them and um they were advising me to listen to various podcasts and tell you know suggesting you know why don't you listen to this why don't you listen to that and i did try but i'm also not you know i'm not i wasn't so good at doing that because as you know it's also Finding the time to do that is also difficult, um, but the pre-work, yeah. I mean, it's interesting with with Lisa's, as, as I said, I I think it was the one that I had the most extensive notes of, um, partly because I think it was the literature I was least familiar with. So it felt like, you know, this is where I really felt I needed to do my homework, um, and that made me. So it's interesting. You you've Felt that it was flowing that it flowed really well i mean i I actually felt I, I felt like um, um, I felt it it was it, it maybe to me came across as a more crafted and crafted can be a good thing, but crafted can also then lack spontaneity and you know the kind of sparks as I, with with Naeem, I kind of felt like yeah things were just flying in all sorts of directions. And and actually, we had a, there was a whole conversation with Naeem about the Bangladesh film industry. Um, and and the way, I mean, it was just really fascinating. Um, and I, there was about 15 minutes of that, which I cut out because it, I thought it, w- it wouldn't make any sense in the context of a, a podcast that is otherwise about the non-aligned movement. But it was basically about how 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 the 1971 War of Independence is memorialized in Bangladesh. Um, And that so much of the memory comes from staged films, Uh, so feature films, and the and the way in which the feature film industry has been so central to crafting nationhood in Bangladesh. And that was just fascinating. I mean, talking about particular filmmakers um, and also interesting film footage. Uh, that had been shot by a New York filmmaker who happened to be filming in Bangladesh mm. in, in the 1970s and 80s. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of spontaneous material and I almost feel like, well, I'd love to go back and do another one with, with, mm. uh, with Naeem.
0: Can I ask you another yeah. question, which is a bit like this? Um, do you think that the... So how many people do you think listen to your podcast and do you think that it's a different, do, do you feel like you're reaching a different audience than you do through your other um, scholarly and public intellectual outlets or mm. is it the same people in a different mode?
2: Um, I, I think it, it must be quite different. I, I feel like I'm reaching more people. <laughs> <laughs> if you think of, so, so one thing is you, you kind of get a little bit obsessed with data analytics, uh, analytics of podcast downloads and watch what's going on, particularly in the early when I, when I was first starting out with it. And so with, the, um, with both the website and the podcast hosting platforms, I can see where podcasts are being downloaded, uh, how many in which country, in fact, in which city and even in even broken down to suburbs in 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 larger cities. Uh, <laughs> They've just so... got a whole
0: up from Fitzroy Carlton, Brunswick, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and a few in Sydney. Sure. City, you know, Sydney and oh yeah, uh... <laughs> Sydney. Sorry,
0: I always forget about Sydney. It's, you're outside my twenty-five. Out
2: bubble. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and that's fascinating. So so seeing that it's it's got to all kinds of different countries that I wouldn't have imagined people would be interested you know seeing it in japan and russia um number of middle eastern countries um um number of african countries and um so you 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 get a sense but also i think where it's also consumed where there is more of podcast culture or or people are um, more regularly listening to podcasts so um so I, I was kind of yeah, still disappointed that it hasn't it doesn't seem to uh mm. register very much in India given the size of the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh the, so the do population. You,
0: do you have um do you have a, a schedule when but do you have a target of how many you want to try and put out and or do you do it? I mean it sounds like your decision about who to interview and which books to discuss and films to discuss is mostly serendipitous uh Uh, do you have a do you have a schedule or not
2: yeah no i do i do have a i do have a kind of list or a running list of people i think oh i'd I'd really like to i mean partly it's about it is genuinely about um dipping into a book and thinking oh i really want to read this properly and more fully and also it would be great to talk to them so it is it is kind of one of the questions Ben had sent me is also you know how does it change your academic practice and I think in some ways that's also that's an ordinary academic practice which is you know you kind of think about what where you're going to spend your time and um how which books you need to read carefully so I think it's related to to that um um, I, I mean the first series was so I, I, I recorded all of um i had i think i had recorded all of them by by may and I launched the podcast in june and then i i released um an episode every two weeks which was i think that was fine because there was a more intense lockdown and uh, um there was and it was kind of yeah i mean there's never there's never it's, it's never slow and quiet, but it felt like that was a good time to do that. And I don't think I can repeat that kind of frequency going forward. So I'm planning the second series. Um, I've been probably, I'm sure Gary Simpson won't mind that I mentioned that I, I've been in contact with him and, you know, he's got a, um, well, a new book and, and other things in the work. So I'm, I'm hoping to, um, to interview Gary soon. And I've got a few other people in mind. So I think um, um, for the next series, I'll 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 try and get two or three podcasts done and then start launching the second series. Um, but I did, I mean, I also wanted to say something about the the website because I mean the, the other interesting thing is that I the the initiative was also to have an alternative space um that is not um that is not a sort of institutionally located in the university although i keep you know i have a certain fidelity to the university i think university is a really important thing to stand within and defend and it's obviously under attack in lots of places australia um included and um so i don't want to i don't want to uh, suggest that it's it's outside of the university or something like that. I think it's really connected to, 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 to that space. Um, On the other hand, as I said, I didn't go through committees, it meant that I self-funded it. And so, so there was that dimension to it as well. And I was conscious that, well, I I'm in a certain place in my career. I can, I can afford to do that. And that's, that's something that we, we need to be conscious of also if we're encouraging people to do this kind of thing and in on that on in that vein um, and i also felt like i was supporting these new designers who worked on on the website and they did a really amazing job like they did it from scratch we 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 hired um someone to compose original music for it um so the the twin peak i'm not quite sure what i think of the twin peaks the kind of intro music but anyway he they, he was following a brief um in the composition uh, so i take some responsibility um, um having said all of that I, I there are so many platforms that can be used to do this now um there there are just You know, just ways in which you can make videos and recordings, as you know, and and place them online in a fairly, fairly fluid and inexpensive way. So, so that was, that's just another thing to
1: bear in mind about. I had a question. Um, You kind of, you kind of touched on both of uh, both of my questions in a way, but one was about how does, how does the podcast kind of feed into your teaching and research Um, And the other question I wanted to ask was, I guess, uh, yes, I I mean, I think you've got a good voice for the podcast. So I was thinking kind of what's in a voice or in the sort of um, the audio aspects of it. And and did you sort of invest a lot in kind of editing techniques and, you know, I guess the the sort of oral aspects of it or you really you focused on the content?
2: uh yeah good questions um yeah it's interesting what one thinks of one's own voice to take that you know you never hear yourself as other other people hear you you know i echo inside myself in a way that reverberates and you know kind of vibrates and the sound is completely different so it is always a bit strange hearing um hearing yourself um and um yeah i i think i've i tried to kind of focus on how um on how i kind of ask questions in the discussions uh, i mean the other interesting thing sorry just thing that came up came to mind in the context of interviews and you hear it in some of the podcasts is that i take i, I kind of take notes furiously and you can actually hear in some of the recordings you can hear the scratching of my pen <laughs> um and that was also there was because there was a sort of sense of um just learning from these conversations and that that there is something that's really shared and something that is uh that knowledge production uh that thinking is a is is something you do with others um and I, i felt that comes that I felt that very strongly when I was interviewing people, that they were um, th- there was a real spontaneity in how they were speaking. Like there there was almost you can see you know, which you can see in people's eyes, you know, when people are sort of saying stuff that they've said before, uh and they're kind of just repeating something that is formulaic. Or when someone is thinking, oh, I'm really I'm sparking off what this this provocation. And that sparkliness of thought and uh, that was really that was really present and i think that is is to go back to the first part of your question that's that's what feeds much more into my work and and research so i i think um i have found um things making their way very directly into things that i'm writing um i i think you know bet elizabeth Pavanelli's, um, book, Deontologies, sorry, Geontologies um, um, has really resonated uh, a lot for me. And a couple of weeks ago, I was in a um, conversation like this with people in Hong Kong, in the Law and Humanities program there, and we were talking about this book and another article that I've I've just finished. Um, So so that that book and, and Covenelli's work, all of her works really have started to resonate much more in my head, and it's kind of shifted some of the things I'm working on. I'm sort of moving a little bit more to focus on, on environmental issues and, and developing a course on natural resources. Um and so so that it feels to me has come straight out. I mean, not not that it's been a more enduring concern, but but it's um it's been given direction by my engagement with with elizabeth Povinelli's book and 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 Povinelli, the Povinelli interview was i mean that was hilarious because she's anyone who knows her knows that she's quite a character <laughs> um and um you know i started out by like I, for those who don't know her she's an american anthropologist but has Worked since 1984 in northern in the Northern Territory of Australia, and spent um, yeah basically spent spent significant parts of the year for the last 35 years in Australia, and so she knows Indigenous issues really well, and very much part of this community um, near Darwin, and um, and I just wanted to ask her how she how she how she ended up in australia and working with aboriginal communities and the answer to that question took 15 minutes and i don't think we you know i had to cut loads of that out because it was like i want to talk about your book you know but there was this huge story about her family and you know her italian american family and living in the south and what university she went to all of which was made complete sense and you know was very very important but i kind of you know, for reasons of um, time in the, in the podcast and to focus as much as possible on, on the book, I, I ended up cutting that material out. So,
1: I, um, I wanted to ask you a question about that, but that would be um, too sneaky because we've got Robbie with a question first and then Siddharth. So Robbie, I might go to you. Thanks. Um, I guess I, I was just interested in hearing a little bit more about when you're planning the podcast before you have started. Um, so in a more traditional um, you know, a journal article, you sort of frame it around what works, what goes into the argument, what doesn't go into the argument. Um, clearly you can't control another person, but do you start by sort of planning with some points that you want to bring out, some particular goals, or do you just let it run freely?
2: Mm, yeah, thanks. Um i think um, i start with i think one of the things and this for me is part of a, my own academic practice i think is with a certain fidelity to the text so um and i often think that about my writing sometimes that i i spend too much time on exegesis or you know saying so-and-so said this and then so-and-so said that and you're probably encountering some of this in your own writing um and how how to balance your own voice, and on the other hand, what I think is also very important is the kind of fidelity to the text or the person that you're engaging with and I think that i almost I, I think I thought that I was going to be doing the podcast differently, um, but it turns out that's how I do this work <laughs> so so I end, I end up actually um, in my notes before before the recording and the questions and notes um, that I send to the interviewee, um, which I think actually, I mean, the interesting point, of it, I think they're a bit stunned generally when they get the notes because they're just, um, it, 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 I have got the impression that some people feel like it's a bit too much, like why is this person, t- you know, why, <laughs> why, are they, why are they sending <laughs> me? <laughs> five pages and i'm not and i i, sh- I shouldn't say that by way of it being off-putting it's it's actually quite you know it just it's something that just happens quite quickly you're reading something and you just kind of write some notes and you know add a question or something like that um so in that sense it does it does feel quite similar to how i do other kinds of academic work um I think in the context of as as i did more of them i i think i became better at um more spontaneous questions uh and i think that would be i mean you know just comparing it here because you the question you raised um to how i write and you know that way in which thinking happens in the process of writing and i one of the things i like about writing is actually going but when i'm working on a piece and when i as a, my, my phrase would be when i've got my head in something where i could, you know all kinds of things could be going on and they won't matter because i've got this thing i've got my head in thank goodness for for as long as it lasts um and the way in which you go back over sentences and paragraphs and rewrite and rewrite um that um that's obviously not something that happens in the context of a podcast you know in the podcast in the podcast it's it's it starts and it's it's finished fairly quickly and and particularly when i you know interviewing the people i was sort of slightly you know more nervous in interviewing like patricia williams who's this you know huge figure um and i felt very privileged to have had her time and she was very generous she just you know, came to my office and I was just like, wow, I've got Patricia Williams sitting in my office. And <laughs> <laughs> I've got to make sure that this this, you know, I make the best use of this time. Um, um, yeah, and and then I think that the they were they were much more spontaneous. And I was trying to allow myself to be more spontaneous, but I was also really helped by the generosity of the people I was talking with. Um, and i and i think that there was a sense um i know someone else i won't mention who but (coughs) someone else i was interviewed i think was sort of pleasantly surprised at the end i think they they weren't maybe weren't expecting as as kind of faithful uh um treatment of the text um and maybe thought i was going to somehow be more critical or something i mean that's an that's an interesting thing to think about like what is a critical engagement when you're also a host right so there's when when we, the, the other thing about the podcast <clears throat> and and I'm, I'm actually just thinking this now as i'm talking to you i haven't connected this word with it before to take the kind of Derridean <laughs> notion of the host um and hospitality and being a hostage and and so forth that that come so there were cons- there are constraints in that and maybe i mean there was one of the people I interviewed, again without mentioning them, where I felt extremely constrained, um, um, and you know, i probably already mentioned. You probably figure figure it out. But 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 felt I felt constrained, and then I felt I wasn't um, um, fluid enough, uh, or did I ask a stupid question about that and? And there was also a moment when I, I did ask a question that the person really didn't want to answer, um, and um, and said, "Oh, I don't think I, I don't think I want to go there." And obviously, I cut that bit out. So, so that <laughs> um, one of the racier moments in podcasting.
1: Siddharth, <laughs> um, you had a question in the chat.
2: Sorry, I haven't got my chat on. Hang on. Oh, no, no.
3: I, I just put my name.
2: Ah, uh, okay. Sure. Yeah.
3: Uh, Sorry. Uh, so Stuart, I'm new to your podcast. I, I listened to the Pavanelli one this afternoon, actually, which I really enjoyed. But what struck me about the style of the, that particular episode is that uh, as a listener, I'm listening to you not only que- not only pose these questions, but also pose what do you think of your uh, summary of their work? Like you were saying, like your own kind of their arguments in your own language. So you're kind of posing posing that to them as well. And then, at least in the case of this one, she was like, "Yeah, you know, you've got it right." And I want to add this, but I want to add this. But you've you've kind of got it right. So uh, last time we did a session with Elon Elan on 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 the on the blog that he runs mm-hmm. and. One of the things we were talking about is how some of the best blog posts are the ones which actually um, um kind of uh, talk about conceptual issues and, and and might actually explain something rather than rather than an argument, but just explain like conceptual. So I thought in that mode this is going to be quite useful to even understand mm-hmm. what people are writing, not necessarily just a conversation, but also kind of listening to you uh flesh out those arguments even in your own language you know when you pose the questions
2: Mm. yeah thanks thanks a lot i think that's that's particularly interesting issue with bet with the interview with bet povnelli because um i mean, you know the book the book geontologies is is, i mean conceptually extremely rich I, i think it's for example, I think it's one of the, and I say this in the podcast, I think it's one of the best readings of the uh, literature on new materialism. Um, and, and, and people like Quentin millar who are, you know, somewhat impenetrable, um, are, are really engaged, you know, she just does Quentin Milasu in two pages and um, puts him in conversation with another bit of, um, I think it's Graham Harmon, uh, the other kind of materialist uh new materialist and um uh, just extremely adept at handling that um but she wasn't you know she wasn't so great at actually saying um um what geontology is right so if you listen to that podcast and you can get to the end and think hmm do I know what ge? You know, the title of the book is ge- "Geontology." So, what is geontology? And so, partly I thought my my failing there was not was to not ask directly enough. Beth, can you stop all that other jabbering and just in two minutes say what is geontology? Um, and so that's something yeah, I, I kind of wish I did. Um, but on the other hand, the distinction between life and non-life, uh, and the fact that she wants to do away with this distinction. So, so the key thing is that she, it's not, Oh, what does non-life bring to a conversation with life um, as the ontologies of life and non-life and the being of life and non-life. I think what comes comes out clearly, and this is the conceptual really kind of vein that that's really rich um, is that is is the attempt to undo that distinction. And I think she explains that really well in in the podcast. So I guess
3: guess what I was also getting at is that sometimes authors or filmmakers are not the best explainers of their own work. So, you know, when you have an interlocutor who's also mm -hmm. doing that work, it really helps somebody somebody who's listening.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the other thing about the... I mean, I was thinking about when I was to the, uh, you know just thinking about doing this event uh, with you um um how much uh how significant it is to i think to, for an author to talk with a reader um or for now for me as a person who's making podcasts to talk to a listener um because you really you know you you don't really know what you're creating because what you're creating is only realized in its in its um i don't want to use the word consumption but in its in its partaking of by others yeah so there's a kind of the partaking is a partage if you like you know it's the it is it is the sharing it's the that's where something happens um and um yeah i think i'm I, i think the podcast is is helping me to realize more of that um you know, I mean, I think it was, you know, Sandhya's question earlier, do I have an audience? I don't quite, I, didn't think I, I don't think I answered that directly other than going to my, kind of oh, you know, all these flags that come up when I look at my <laughs> analytics. Um, and I, I thought uh, it was really interesting, again, working with the designers. So I thought my audience would be an academic audience. You know, that I'm, you know, these, you know, who's, who's going to be interested in this, this, this kind of, Material and literature, and when I look at the, the, so the analytics of the the age groups are really interesting. Clearly, under thirty five is fifty percent of um, the demographic listening to the podcast. Um, although you know the kind of the the other <laughs> the the other bits are <laughs> carrying their carrying their, you know, carrying their corner as well. Um, and I get a sense. Um, I get a sense that it's it's not just an academic audience that it might be. It might be being, um, you know, people might be listening, who are you know not necessarily PhD, PhD and above or PhD and beyond kind of um, uh, audience. Um, uh, I mean, I'm just I have nothing specific to go on other than sort of age demographics on that um yeah
0: so where, where do you promote it or how have you promoted it
2: yeah really badly i think you know, i've not been um so my again my the designers uh mike and lucy of the of the website so the so the initial idea i, I didn't even understand this when i started right so i thought i'm gonna have a website because it, it's a bit like you know elon running the critical legal thinking blog. So my, part of what I thought was I'll have a website. It's, it'll, it'll look, it'll look nice. You know, there'll be a whole, there were lots of thought put into the design of it. <coughs> and I had lots of meetings with them. And it, it, I don't know if you've kind of picked this up with it. If you haven't seen the website, please go to the website. <laughs> Cause it's designed to be like an archive. It's got pull out drawers, things pop out. Uh, things spill out of the drawer, you know. That, that that was the kind of concept behind the behind the website. Um, and and every time you sort of click on the authors or the people I'm interviewing, sort of their photographs pops out in a different place. So so all of that was a, uh, you know, people aren't necessarily picking this up. <laughs> I think but anyway. Um, um, and and so I thought the place I'd be promoting it through was going to be the website but actually it's the platforms on which people are listening to podcasts so you know most of the the bulk of the downloads are happening through um, um what's it called apple um apple podcast is that i right? see i'm really an expert podcast here um <laughs> um google apple um um spotify so these are the kinds of platforms through which people are downloading it and then uh lucy and mike said oh um you you know you don't have an instagram you need to have an instagram you need to promote this on instagram instagram you know i don't you know i do i know anyone on instagram and and then i did start a i did start an instagram account for um countersign and i did and they created a package of um kind of ideas for marketing it as it went through but i don't think it really worked because i, I wasn't such a good promoter and i have no instagram following <laughs> so um <laughs> uh, so it wasn't it's really not happening through through those channels but it is but twitter so i have to say i mean i did the other thing i, I keep forgetting i mean, I basically st- I, I started twitter i i again i'm very new to twitter um so I opened you're an starting, account. Exact- you're
0: starting to sound a bit like my mum.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Instagram what? <laughs> Instagram what? <laughs> are you on Instagram, Sandhya? you have you of course you are. Of course you are. Um, um anyway, um I've only been dabbling for the last few months. But I've but re- Twitter- I've
0: retweeted your podcast. I use Twitter for work stuff. I only use yeah, no, Instagram yeah. for private for private things, but I've right. retweeted your um your podcast so oh, thank
2: you thank at least you. seven I mean, of I, your
0: followers are due to me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
2: <that's right. laughs> um but but twitter so t- t- twitter i really kind of started the twitter uh, account with a view to promoting the podcast and that's been really helpful so obviously connecting through the other people who have other larger twitter followings in the university has been really helpful all right retweeting. so i think
0: i think we're not going to come to you for the actual <laughs> tech platform publicity side of the equation we might come to you for the intellectual theoretical engagement <laughs> but the but the what's instagram <laughs> um i think we've got time for one more question alison because then we probably have to wrap up in yeah. about four minutes so do you want to ask your question
1: um one of the things which I find particularly helpful sometimes is when a concept is explained either by yourself or by the author and when it turns out the word's got a particular academic meaning in addition to how we use the word in general conversation and sometimes that's been some of the most useful um, or interesting parts where you're like, oh, I didn't realise it had all of these connotations or is invoking these particular concepts. And I was wondering if you had other ideas or you wanted to play with the format, as in where you're linking up ideas across episodes and thinking, I wish I'd had both of them in the same room to ask that question, or mm-hmm. whether in series two you wanted to play with that a little bit more.
2: Yeah, that's a really, really nice question. Um, I am thinking about that and... I think, particularly with, um, and I'm not so bad on the technology. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, one of the things I'm quite proud of is using ZenCaster, I mean, particularly with, so, you know, I literally was kind of just borrowed microphones early on. I did get my own microphones later on, but then with lockdown using ZenCaster, uh, which is, which has been terrific. And with ZenCaster, you can have multiple people participating in the conversation. So, so,
0: what's ZenCaster?
2: So Zencast is basically a, um, uh, a platform from which you can uh, make, make recordings. Um, so it doesn't have video, but um, <coughs> you, you basically uh, open an account with Zencast and they've got different categories and there's a free version. So I've only used the free version. In fact, with, with both um, yeah with both Beth Povanelli and with Lisa Berezza, those those two podcasts were recorded on on Zencastr. Um and you know Beth was in New York and um, um, Lisa, it was during lockdown, she's in London, but you know we, we weren't in the same space um, and I, I think that's so, so and Zencaster will do some kind of sound editing and purification as it were for you if you pay for the subscribed version but if you do the free version uh, they basically send you uh, they send you the sound files and the other important thing about Zencaster is they make independent recordings of both people or if you have three or four people they are individual tracks and um, the, the individual tracks are then sent to you and I d- I've done all my editing on GarageBand and so you can kind of drop the sound files into garageband and 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 edit it there so just to come back to your question yes i'm kind of thinking about putting more you know so, so so having more than one person uh and putting people together to have conversations um kind of curated in a slightly slightly different way i mean i'm i'm a I also feel like there's something about the one-to-one that makes for a certain i mean there's an intimacy in that there's a there's a there's an intensity in it i think that may not be there but i i think it's definitely worth um definitely worth trying um and yes i might be contacting some people on this call for (laughs) such a conversation at some point. So I have been thinking about that, um, actually doing something with, um, with a couple of people and having a conversation either about a topic or, or, or a body of work. Uh, because I think talking about a body of work, that, that's also really, you know, rather than just a book to a, a genre or, or someone's collection of work uh, could be something that is really productively discussed with more than one person.
1: Stuart, that sounds fantastic. Um, And thank you again for your time. So what time is it now? Is it seven Ah, o'clock in the morning? It's seven o'clock
2: now. The heating should have gone on. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, you've definitely warmed us up. I hope you're starting to warm up. It was fantastic to have you join us. Um, Thanks for your time and your early morning slot and your generosity. Um, All of us, I'm sure, are looking forward to the next couple of iterations of the podcast can you tell us which one is going to hit our feeds next uh
2: well i i think um, it's the one that is closest to uh happening i think is is with gary uh let's see how we um negotiate the current (laughs) situation uh gary has said that he wants to meet in person and i'm absolutely fine with that and i've got a you know, so we can go to a... Re- the other thing I thought is that it would be nice to do a recording with clanging plates in the background, so... Well,
1: glasses <laughs> so of wine. A,
2: a, red, a restaurant interview.
1: Yeah, that would be authentic, I suspect. Yeah. Um, Stuart, thank you so <laughs> thank much. You. Thank you so it much. It was thank a real, real pleasure.
2: It's been it's my pleasure.
0: Thanks. Excellent.
1: See you thank soon, you Stuart. So much. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to the Illa Podcast. To find out more, go to soundcloud.com forward slash podcast. That's double I L A H podcast.